Good morning, and welcome to week 13 of uh, LNBC podcast. I'm here with uh, Brother Tim Yates, and uh, we're going to. Good morning. Sh- good morning. We're going <laughs> to share again this week, and uh, we hope that you all have been really enjoying uh, Genesis and the life of Joseph, and and we're going to uh, kind of finish up with that today, and you will finish up with that in your readings this week. So. Uh, I, last week, when we closed off, I shared with you that there were some comparisons of Joseph to Christ, and uh, I had about 12 that I had just written down. There's much more than that in there, so you, you continue to look for those things. But uh, we find that both of them were object of their father's love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that Christ was the object of God's love, the Father, and uh, so was Joseph of uh, Jacob's love. And they were both mocked by their families. And uh, they weren't really accepted. And they were both mocked by their families. And they were sold, sold for money. Joseph for 20 pieces of silver and Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So there's a comparison. And then we find that they were both stripped of their robes. Jesus was stripped of his robe to be flogged and to be beaten. Uh, Joseph was stripped of his coat of many colors and uh, was uh, sold into slavery. And then we find that uh, they were both delivered up. Uh, They both were falsely accused. Uh, They both uh, were faithful amid temptations. Amen. True. Yeah, Joseph being tempted by Potiphar's wife, and he he was faithful to God. How could I sin against uh, uh, God? Uh, And then uh, we find they were both arrested. Uh, They excelled after that they had uh, gone through humiliation. Uh, they excelled through that. They embraced God's purpose. Even though they were going to have to go through a lot of difficulties and problems, they still uh, held to hold into God's purpose in life. Jesus said he come to do the will of the Father. That's right. And uh, Joseph, he was holding fast to that as well. Uh, they both fed hungry. And then uh, we find that they uh, had people who bowed down before both of them. Amen. And... Uh, I'd written down something about today's lesson. As we get into chapter 47, uh, we'll find that uh, it gives us uh, somewhat of a prophetic glimpse uh, of the Lord's future dealings with the Jewish people and with with all all nations. Uh, We see that Joseph broke the power of the outdated Egyptian system. And uh, we see that he set up uh, one master and one Lord. leadership there and there's coming a day when jesus is going to return Amen. and uh, there's going to be the systems of this world are all going to be changed uh, we'll find that god's going to be the head and jesus is going to be the administrator and uh, and we'll find that uh, things will will change uh, they're going to be dealing a uh, uh, lord will be dealing with the uh, sovereignly uh, deal with man's uh, uh, natural desire to want to rebel his natural desire to want to be independent that'll all come to an end and we find that that actually is what we're looking at in chapter 47 when we look at the scripture today we you compare that as you read that compare how this compares with the second coming of jesus now we get down into our lesson today i believe it starts in chapter 47 verse 13 it starts out with uh, how the land became Pharaoh's. Do you have anything, Brother Tim, that you might like to? Well, in chapter 47, Brother Bill, 
uh, for application points, I notice uh, maybe two, two lessons that God speaks to me. Uh, first of all, in chapter 47, I think we, didn't we begin in verse 13? 13, in our verse reading? 13, right. And uh, when, you, when you get down to verse number 15, the Bible says, notice the phrase, so when the money failed in the land of Egypt, and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and, and said, give us bread. Uh, why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. So, so two times in verse 15, uh, we see the phrase that money failed. And then in verse 16, the text says, the money is gone. And uh, in other words, the, the famine bankrupt all the people. Uh, the financial ruin was was catastrophic, and yeah. and I think we we learn a great lesson that uh, we as contemporary Christians we put shouldn't put our faith or our security in money. Yeah. And they lost everything. They did. And uh, but yet they still Joseph had security in in God. So that's a that's a, a great lesson. And then as we get on into chapter forty seven. Uh, there's there's another lesson that that we we learned, but brother Bill, what else did you see? Well, it, you're right. Uh, they came to Joseph because they were starving. Uh, they all had silver at that point, and they all bought food with their silver until they ran out. And Joseph took all of that silver and put it in the Pharaoh's treasures yeah. in his coffers i mean look pharaoh's just he's getting rich here he's you know getting wealthy he's getting wealthy and then whenever that they had uh used up all of their silver had spent all they had uh they still were hungry famine was still going on they come back to joseph and uh you know they say hey you know we we don't have any more silver you know what are we gonna do and Joseph says, well, you got some livestock, don't you? <laughs> you got some cattle, you got some sheep, you got some donkeys, you got, uh, I'll just swap you. You, you give me all of your livestock and everything, and I'll give you food. Now, oh, that's a pretty good deal. And so they did that. And so now then Pharaoh's flocks have just, just flourished <laughs> because they all went into Pharaoh's flocks. And then they come back later and they said, well, we don't have anything else. I mean, we've, we've spent our silver. We've given you all of our livestock. And he said, all we have left is ourselves and our land. And he says, we'll sell ourselves to you as slaves. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll sell you our land. And so Pharaoh ends up with all of the land. He gets it all. He gets it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, you know, when we think about the second coming of Christ, you know, when we look at that millennial reign, it's all going to be the Lord's. And, you know, we, uh, we see a lot of uh, comparisons here of, of this second yes. coming of Christ. And, and, you know, it's so easy to, to find security in your property. You know, it's easy to find security in money. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms, why are you putting your, your trust in that which, which is not? And that's what, how God describes physical provisions. They're here one day, they're gone the next. Uh, our security is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because money's not the solution to everything. And here at, at this point in time, and the scripture specifically said that the money had failed. Yep. Our money 
is gone. What do you do when everything else is gone? Where do you find that security? And we as believers need to find our security in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yes, well, as we look around today, we find that things are failing today. And it's not as it used to be. I mean, we were just talking prior to our podcast here, and we was talking about the expense of vehicles, and you know, it's, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And, and what's people going to do? People are going to buy these on long-term uh, payment yep. plans, and, and eventually it's going to fail. Yep. It's going to fail. Yes, sir. And uh, so, you know, we need to look at that. Realize that uh, the wealth, our, our possessions, all of these things, they're, they're going to pass away. They're, they're not going to help us in the end as it didn't with the Egyptians and the rest of the world there. And I remember when Deb and I were first married and, you know, we were young and, you know, we had all of these plans and all these great dreams of, of all the things we were going to do and how, what we were going to acquire and how we were going to live. And, and, you know, as we get older, we find out those things fade away because we realize those things are not what's important in life. And uh, all of these things that you can gather for yourself, they'll pass away. That's true. And when you get older, you begin to realize that. When you get closer to that end, <laughs> you begin to realize that uh, the things that I have attained don't really mean all yes, yeah. yeah. So then, and I think it's interesting, too, that as we get down to, uh, uh, on into chapter 47, it says that all the land became Pharaoh's. And then we find that Joseph sets up a tithing system. Because as the famine is beginning to wane down, and he now has all of the, all of the land, Pharaoh has all the livestock, uh, he has all of the silver. As a matter of fact, he has the people. And what did Joseph do? He said he moved the people into the cities. So they got moved off of the land. And now then it's coming to the end, and it's beginning to open up. Uh, Joseph gives them an allotment of seed so that they could go plant. And, uh, and they were happy to do it. Yes. I mean, they, they, they actually praised Joseph that, you know, you have saved our lives. Yes. And, uh, That's true. So they, uh, uh, he gives them the seed. They were to take that seed. They were to plant it. They were at the harvest. They were to give a fifth, a fifth of that to Pharaoh. <laughs> and four-fifths was theirs so that they might uh, be able to uh, use seed for the next year and also to feed themselves and their dependents. And um, so we see that uh, uh, this tithing system uh, came into play. And, and I think it's interesting to note that uh, the Egyptians and all, they had a 20% tithing system. <laughs> yeah. Boy, we complained with 10%. <laughs> You know, it's Jacob who, who, uh, who promised the 10% in Genesis chapter 28. We go back there, we can see that he had the 20%. And then we find that even over in the New Testament, we find that Zacchaeus, whenever that he come, uh, when salvation come to his house, what did he say? He says, I'll give 50% of what I have to the poor. So he was willing to give 50%. And then we find the poor little old widow with her two little mites. And she cast it into the offering. She gave her all. And so the Amen. question is for us, has salvation come to our house? How much do we want to give? Yes. Yeah, we don't even want to give a 10%. That's true. 
So we, we even cry about that. And actually in, in 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 16, I believe it tells us that we should give as God has prospered us. How much has God prospered us? Yes. Everything we have, God's given us. And Absolutely. So such, a, such a joy. When, when I look also further into this passage, Brother Bill, I see that how God just always protects his children. Uh, Joseph brings Jacob and his brothers. Uh, they come down to yeah. Egypt, and I, I see God's generous protection. In verse number 27, the Bible says, and mm-hmm. Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, except the land of the priest only. Mm-hmm. And it says in verse 27, so Israel, meaning Jacob, dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and they grew and multiplied, and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt, specifically in Goshen, for 17 years. So the life of, of Jacob was 147 years. And it's really amazing to see that God gives them the land of Goshen. If you go back at the beginning of chapter 47, God describes the land of Goshen as the best, best. of the land. Yeah. And God gave Jacob and the sons of Israel the very best of the land. And when you get over into the book of Exodus, uh, historically, the Israelites were still in the land of Goshen. Uh, We're going to read in in the next few weeks and see all the, the ten plagues. Of course, when the Israelites were in the land of Goshen, they were protected Mm -hmm. from those various plagues. plagues. And so the land of Goshen uh, is, is very significant. And I think sometimes we, we fail to get, uh, you know, we fail to remember uh, money failed, everything was bad, but God took care of Israel and his 12 sons or Jacob and his 12 sons. And God always had their best interest at heart. He gave them the best of the land. And what a what a great lesson for us to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's kind of interesting. You mentioned something about uh, only the land of the priests. Uh, the priests yeah. kept theirs yep. because uh, Pharaoh had made provisions for them uh, for their food and everything, so they didn't have to sell their land and everything. Right, true. Uh, and yet we're going to find that whenever the, the, the Lord returns and everything, he's going to do away with all of these uh, false religions, and yes. he, uh, there, there's not going to be any... Uh, any of this taking, you know, having special privileges and keeping what they have, uh, he's going to do away with it all. Yeah. Uh, do away with the cults, do away with all the false religions. Everything's yes. going to be done away with. So, yes, and, uh, and Israel or Jacob, as you were talking, how that they were protected and everything. And uh, Jacob calls for uh, Joseph to come and see him because he has a request he wants to make. Yeah. Um, even with all of the good that was going on in Goshen, we find that Jacob made Joseph promise, don't bury me in Egypt. Absolutely. You'd say, wow, that, wouldn't he want to be buried in that great land of plenty and all that they had? And, you know, he wanted to go back and be buried with his ancestors. That's right. 
So he made Joseph promise that. Yes, sir. And then we get into chapter 48. Chapter 48 is interesting. Uh, Jacob blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, Ephraim and Manasseh are Joseph's sons that have been born to him. And uh, he gets word that his father's not doing well. He's getting weaker. He's growing older. Yeah, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> so as, uh, as he was getting older, getting weaker, uh, Joseph uh, took his two sons and they went uh, to see Jacob. And uh, then Jacob, he said to Joseph, that God Almighty appeared to me in, Luz and in the land of Canaan and he blessed me. Yeah. Yeah. And he shared how he was going to flourish, his, his descendants would be great. He just kind of uh, reiterated what he did to Abraham. He told Abraham, you know, your, your descendants will be as the sand of the sea and stars in the sky. And, and of course, here we go. Jo Jacob is part of that. And, yes, he is. And, this, and he's going to be part of bringing those uh, sands of the sea and stars of the sky and and then he his two sons uh, Ephraim and Manasseh when uh, Jacob talks to Joseph about them he actually adopts them he said they're going to be my sons he said I know they were born to you here in Egypt but they're going to be my sons they'll they'll be as as the others they'll be now uh, they'll be as Reuben and Simeon you know and yes, uh, so he takes them in and uh, that's a that's a real interesting, interesting thing. Uh, and actually, his eyesight was getting so bad that even when Manasseh and Ephraim was there, he didn't recognize them. He said, "Who are these?" Um, I believe that's in verse eight of chapter forty-eight. He said, "Who are yep. these?" Yep. I'm sure they were probably dressed uh, in Egyptian attire. And yep. he, he and his eyesight was getting bad. And when he found out, he says, "Bring them. I yep. want to bless them." And did you see something interesting about the blessing, Brother Tim? Did... Got the hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joseph actually brought Manasseh to the right side of Jacob and Ephraim to the left side because he was to lay the right hand upon the firstborn and give him the blessing of the firstborn. And yet we find that Jacob, instead of doing that, he crossed his hands and when he crossed his hands, he laid his right hand on Ephraim. And Joseph even corrected him. <laughs> no, no, Dad, you can't do that. That's, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And Jacob said, listen, he knew what he was doing. And he said, no. He said, what was it he said? He said, I know, my son, I know. I know what, I know what this. was going on. I know what's going on. I know what I'm doing. And so he laid his right hand on Ephraim and gave him the blessing of the firstborn. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's, that's a, a beautiful story. And I, I, I love right before he begins to, he, to, to bless them and he bows down with his face to the earth, uh, I, I see a great lesson. I, I see that Jacob was just completely overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And you, you read the verse about the blessing and how mm -hmm. God gave him the, the land and multiplied him. And, um, but I, I love verse number 11. When I read it a few days ago, it just really struck my heart. The Bible says, And Israel said to Joseph, this is mm -hmm. Jacob speaking, mm -hmm. I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, 
God has also shown me your offspring. And so uh, I, I put myself into the text and I tried mm-hmm. to imagine the, the feelings of, of Jacob. And Jacob seems to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Think about it. He, he actually thought that Joseph was dead. Yeah, he did. But now for 17 years, you know, God let him experience that relationship with, with Joseph. God gave Jacob his son back. But not only did he get to see his son, but he's overwhelmed with the goodness of God. He got to see his offspring, his two grandsons. And so we see the praise and, and the blessing of God in verses 16 and verse 15 and 18. And uh, Go down to verse 15, and, and he blessed Joseph and said, This is Jacob speaking. He's overwhelmed by the goodness of God. God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walk. The God who has fed me all my life, all my life long to this very day. The angel who has redeemed me from evil. Bless these lads. Let my name be upon them in the name of our fathers. And so he he enjoys the the goodness of God. We need to do that as believers. We need to be overwhelmed and so grateful for the goodness of God. 17 years uh, was a gift that God gave to, to Jacob and to Joseph and to see the offspring. You know, Brother Tim, I think it when we get older in our lives and we begin to realize that all of the material things don't really matter, then we can begin to see what does matter. Yeah, and, true. and Jacob was actually acknowledging what, what was the best. Yeah. Being connected with God, experiencing His blessings, and bestowing it upon your family, yeah. <laughs> that's a great blessing. Amen. That's a great blessing. That's yeah. huge. So Jacob knew what he was doing when he was blessing these boys. And uh, boy, and if you go on back and you, or you go forward in, in the Kings, first Kings and on, you begin to read and study about uh, uh, Ephraim and, uh, and Manasseh. Uh, you see how they turned out. You yeah. see their heritage. And, yes, and, that's true. Uh, and you can see why Ephraim was blessed first. Uh, there was a special work to be done, and there's so much to be found in all of this. And of course, we get down to chapter 49, and and I'll, uh, I look at chapter 49, and we find this is Jacob's last words, and he's going to talk to to his 12 sons, and he talks to each one of them specifically. Yep. And I think that is a that's an interesting part that when you get down to the end of your life, I see this a lot of times in the in uh, hospitals and in hospice when people were nearing death and you know they want to they want to be able to speak to their family and sometimes they will just hold on waiting for certain family members to come so they can speak to them before but uh, here we are Jacob is getting down to the end of his life he's going to speak his last words to these sons I I don't know if you've got anything in chapter 49 you would like to share I, I looked at all that and I said boy if we go through all of these words that Joe, Jacob said to his, to his sons, I said, we'll be here all day. Yeah. Uh, but he did specifically talk to each one of them. And I would encourage you to read that chapter and, and to think about what he is saying to, 
to his sons. And at the end of that, at verse 28, he, he says, these are the tribes of Israel, 12 in all. And this is what their father said to them. And he blessed them, and he blessed each one with a suitable blessing. Yes. Yeah. Well, when I read chapter 49, I, you know, those first few verses just teach me a, a great lesson. I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see the serious seriousness of, of Reuben's sin. It, it was not forgotten by Jacob. Mm-hmm. When you look at the first four verses, uh, Reuben actually mm-hmm. lost his status of the firstborn because of his sin. Uh, he, he lost his birthright. And people want to know, well, what exactly did he do? L- listen to what the, the text says about Reuben. Reuben, mm-hmm. you're my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, the the excellency of power. But he says, you're unstable as water. You shall not excel. Why? Because you went up to your father's bed and he violated a a tremendous principle. And we see that back in Genesis 35. I Mm. think my notes say verse 22, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And the scripture says, listen carefully, and Israel heard about it. They heard what Reuben had done, yeah. and the entire nation was, was moved, and Israel heard about it, or Jacob heard about it, and he never forgot, because that is a huge sin. You go through the Old Testament, and if uh, you, know, you have a relationship mm. with your father's concubine, that is serious penalty, serious, serious sin. Aren't you glad that's just Old Testament? Oh. <laughs> is that not true today, though? Yes, yes. It's yeah, as serious today as it was back then, folks. Yes. And, and we've we've just kind of looked over that in our society today. That's true. And That's true. Well, we come down to Jacob's burial instructions. Jacob gives instructions at the end of chapter 49. And uh, he commanded them that uh, I'm about to gather to my people. So bury me with my father. He wanted to be buried with his grandfather and his father and Leah, his first wife. And, you know, you ask yourself, well, why would he, why is he doing this? I think he's trying to bring some uh, solidarity back to the family and uh, stay connected. You know, we've got so many family members today who who just walk off and leave their families and they don't have any connection to them at all. And here Jacob was trying to bring some solidarity back to the family. He said, I, I want to be buried, you know, with, uh, uh, with my family and be buried with Abraham and be buried with uh, Isaac and, uh, and be buried with Leah. Yes. And uh, I think it's interesting that uh, he had already uh, told uh, Joseph about his mother's death and burial, uh, the fact that she died on the way to Ephra, yeah. which is Bethlehem, and uh, she died in childbirth with Benjamin. And uh, I know some people go back into Genesis and it, in earlier chapters it talks about uh, Rachel and her death and so forth. And uh, so people say, well, that means Joseph knew Benjamin 
he was born before Joseph was sold. But but then we find that when he had his dream with the star, the moon, or the moon, the, the sun, and the stars, and that meant his mother too. Uh, and then we get over here and we find out that Jacob is telling him about his mother's death. Uh, I believe he was. It's kind of like you watch these movies today, and you it starts out with um, it starts out with the the story, but then it stops and it takes you back, says, in five years earlier. And <laughs> yeah. I, that's kind of the way the scripture right. was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was talking about Rachel prior to Joseph's story, but Joseph didn't know Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, uh, he was born on the way to Bethlehem here, yeah. and so forth. But then when we see Jacob's burial, he goes back and said, they, oh, it's a great funeral possession. <laughs> I mean, you talk about funeral possessions today, some long ones, you know. I mean, they, they traveled from Egypt back to Shechem. And not only did those family members go, but there were some Egyptians even went with them. They, they all were traveling down to bury uh, Jacob, and they, they buried him there in the, in the burial place that was uh, purchased by Abraham. And then we get down to the end, and here's Joseph. Joseph's kindness. His brothers really thought that Joseph was going to get us now. Now yeah. Jacob's gone, and yeah. he was the one who was they keeping us. They were afraid. He That's was right. going to keep us safe, and they were afraid. And they, they come and told him, "Oh, you know, your, our dad says, you know, you should be kind to us. You should forgive us for what we've done to yeah. you and everything." And, and I believe Joseph even cried over that. Yeah. Well, and, Don't they know that I have forgiven them? And, and I, I like how the scripture. The brothers were talking. They said, "Perhaps Joseph will hate us." Yeah, but he kept that forgiving spirit, and he had a a, a good heart of, of forgiveness. He he's a very tender-hearted person, and like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that he, he's very Christ-like. Yeah, you know, he didn't seek vengeance or revenge. Absolutely, uh, he was completely forgiven of his brothers who who forsook him, who threw him into threw a him. pit, and all the history that they had together. Uh, my, what a, what a great lesson for us to keep a tender heart, mm-hmm. a forgiving spirit. And I, I like that about Joseph. Joseph had a, he had a good heart. Absolutely. Well, and this is like Christ, and we're going to get, we're closing off here, but um, Christ forgives us. You know, yes, he, he went to Calvary's cross for my sins, for your sins for all of our sins. And yet when we come to him, he's like Joseph. He forgives us of all. All those scars, all those, that whipping, that crown of thorns, none of that's remembered toward us because we're no longer uh, guilty of that. We are his children and he loves us. And then we find that Joseph dies at the age of 110. They embalm him and they put him in a coffin. (laughs) Yeah. I used this at a, yeah. at, a uh, at a committal one time that they he, they embalmed him, put him in a coffin in Egypt, held him there until they left, and they took him with them. What a great story! Great, well, we're going to get story. into Exodus. Exodus, we find that things begin to change. But uh, uh, folks, I hope you really enjoy your your reading in Genesis, and that you really search it out, look at a lot of things that we haven't even talked about. I'm sure you'll find a lot of things that have touched your heart and will touch your spirit. 
And uh, so, Brother Tim, you have anything you want to add? Well, to? I think the entire theme is summed up at the end of Genesis. You know, God has a grand scheme of life, and he, Joseph knew that God, would, God had placed him where he was. God meant it for good. You know, you, know, you thought he meant it for evil, but actually God had a bigger plan a bigger purpose. God's in control, and God put Joseph exactly where he wanted Joseph to be. And Joseph knew that. He was very aware that God was in control, and I hope that you and I learn one of the greatest lessons in life. No matter the chaos around us, somehow God is in control, control. Absolutely. and let that give you some, some comfort today. Hey, thank you, Brother Bill, for yeah talking with us today. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, thank you all for being here with us as well, and uh, pray that you have a great day. God bless you. How long do we go? We went over. <laughs>